Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, we're glad that you're here to listen. We'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. This morning, um, we're going to continue our sermon series um, called One-on-One. And it's our intention in this sermon series that that we would be able to point out stories and places where God sought to engage his creation in a very personal way. In a way that transforms us, in a way that transforms us at a a heart level. This week, I heard a, a very wise person share that that great ideas and great transfer transformative ideas can even come into our brain but if they do not make their way to our heart we don't experience transformation he said the same thing about the way in which we take in things into our heart that we would allow these things these stories to come into our heart and migrate their way towards our brain and into our thinking and that this also transforms us his point was both are required we're required to have a connection with each other at not just an intellectual level but at a heart level and the same is true for us with god we only intellectualize god and faith i think it remains intellectual we only experience him at a heart i think it doesn't grow in depth and understanding So a little bit of the one-on-one series is how do we have and how do we see stories where God is connected in a one-on-one way with both our heads and our hearts. And so that's what this sermon series is about. How has God reached out to transform us wholly and completely, both our head and our heart? It's always been a conviction of ours that that religion doesn't change us but that a relationship with God and God's community can create an environment of safety for us to truly discover who we are I think this can be really tricky tricky for us because to be honest with you we all have a deep desire to be loved to to belong and yet we all have uh, live flawed lives lives of of brokenness, lives where we are breaking others. And to be honest, places in our story where we simply don't measure up to our own standards, never mind what we believe God's standards are. And so we're tempted to hide. I think we're we're tempted to to pretend, to to take those parts that that we believe don't measure up and, and and to hold them back for fear that others will see them, that we will be be judged by them, and ultimately that we won't be accepted or included in, right? And the the sad fact is that in doing so, we, we all in some way, shape, or form become pretenders, pretenders. Unfortunately, the, 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 the system that religion gives to us, it, it gives to us a sense of, 
of markers and, and check boxes and things that, that, that we need to do so that we have the assurance that we are loved by God. I think that this is one of the unfortunate aspects, actually, of what religion gives to us. And, 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 and I'm trying to say this in the nicest of ways, but, but maybe I'll just come out and say it. Maybe I'll just come out and say it. I, I think that is false thinking. I think that it's false thinking to believe that there is a list of rules or boxes to check off so that we can be accepted and assured of God's love. I just don't believe that God is uh, that interested in us following all of the rules, checking off all of the right boxes, right? Or, or even that he is that interested in us defending him or defending his religion or defending his church. I think that God is far more secure in who he is than that. Right. I think that it is that kind of thinking that somehow we have some being that we have to defend that, that helps us or causes us to hide our own imperfections. And so I think that part of what we need to be considering is what is God saying to us about our true identity and who we are? And, and what does the journey look like towards discovering our true selves, the true voice of, of what God says and speaks to us? This week, a very bright light has been shined, shown on some very terrible, terrible acts in our country. Terrible acts committed by our country and, and to be honest with you, lived out by people of faith. It was in our desire, really, to turn others into people that were just like us, who could check all of the boxes just like us. That, that we, people of faith, have committed some of the most terrible, terrible atrocities. The discovery of 215 children this week should break our hearts. It should remind us of our humanity and it should remind us of what we are capable of doing when we mismatch religion with the heart of God for his creation. Friends, restoration, God kind of restoration, it does not come without truth being spoken and it does not come without a posture to hear that truth no matter how painful or difficult it might be my heart is broken for the truths that were revealed this week but that have been true 
for so many, many years. This week should be a week of acknowledging truth, difficult truth about what we have done in order to turn people into us. May God have mercy on us. The story for today is a parable. It's a story that Jesus told to help his listeners to understand something that was true. It's found in, in Luke 15, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And it is the story of two sons and a father. It's a story that's known as the prodigal son. And to be honest with you, it's one of the least favorite stories of the church. And it's one of the least favorite stories of the church and religious people because it reveals how the economy of God works. And in our mind, it doesn't look fair. Before I get into the story though today, I wanna just quickly uh, read for you a couple of the definitions I found in the dictionary about what the word prodigal means. And, and under the word prodigal in the adjectives kind of sentence, there, there's kind of two ways of thinking about it. The first is spending money or resources freely and recklessly wastefully extravagant or having or giving something on a lavish scale. I'm going to read that again because I really want you to keep these in the forefront of your mind while I tell this story. Spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. And then the second kind of way of thinking about it is having or giving something on a lavish scale. Okay. I just really encourage you to keep that, those two kind of adjectives in the forefront of your mind as I tell a little bit about the story. So Jesus tells the story of these two sons. The youngest son in his immaturity, probably in his cockiness and his arrogance and all of those things, he asks for his inheritance early. It's a strange thing to ask. Even I would suggest that it was an inappropriate thing to ask. I haven't asked my parents for my inheritance yet. I think if I were, and I know they're watching, it might suggest that I'm kind of looking forward to them passing away. There's something that's not right about that. Something that's gross about that. But in the story, the father obliges him. The, the, the story tells that the father, out of his great love for his son, does what he asks. Jesus tells the story that, that within a few days, the son packs up all of his belongings and, and he heads off to, in, in, in search for a different life, in search ultimately for a better life than the one that his father was teaching him and was giving him.
Jesus says that, that the son goes off and, and he spends all of the money and on wild living. Right. And, and, and in that wild living, he finds himself in a desolate place. You, you might actually say, and I don't know if this is a word, but you might actually say that he basically prodigaled it away. I don't know if that's a word. You can Google search me right now since you're watching this on the internet. But if it isn't, you heard it here first. He prodigaled it away. The story says that, that the land falls on hard times and, and that after doing some significant soul searching, the son remembers how much his father loved him. After asking some important questions of him, he, he reminds himself that the servants in his father's farm were being fed and treated and cared for better than he was. Better than he was even able to create on his own. And so he decides to go home. He decides to go home, not ask to be a son, but ask to be a servant. I can only imagine that as he travels home, he recites many times, right? How, how he is going to approach his, his father, how his father is going to respond to him. And I can't imagine that, that in any of his ways that he recited that in his mind, that he could have imagined that his father would see him coming. It's almost as if the father was praying, that the father was watching and hoping that his son would return to him. Well, after running out to greet, greet him, the father throws an extravagant party. And here it comes again. It appears even that the prodigal, that the father prodigaled himself a bit on this party. It was an extravagant party. It was over the top. Rings and the fatted cow and friends and relatives and people there to be excited about the son's return. Now, if the story ended there, I think we would have a beautiful story. I, I, I think it would be a story of a son and a father a story of how the son in his own arrogance um, felt that he knew a better way of living than his father did. I think it would be a story of, of self-reflection. It would be a story of finding our true self, finding our true belonging and what we call home. I think it would be a story, as I said, of, of truth-telling, a story of coming to a place of authentic living no matter how harmful it was. It would also be a story of coming to a place of humility. It would be a story of what it really truly means to experience restorative justice, to be made right, to be made whole. Right, as the son comes to confess his true self to his father and is received. He comes and he tells truth. And it is in the truth 
that his heart is transformed and received back. It's a beautiful story. But remember, this story is actually about two sons. Now, the second son approaches, stays home. He serves his father. He follows the rules. He checks all the boxes off. And when he approaches his father's house and, and he recognizes that there's a party happening and discovers that the party is a welcome home party, a welcome back into the family party, well, let's just say that, that he wasn't able to grasp or understand the economy of the father and how the father was able to see his sons. And so outside of the doors of the party, outside of the home, the father goes to him and they begin to have a conversation. Son describes to him how unhappy he is about his behavior. The son criticizes the father's way of loving. In other words, he didn't like how his father saw what happened and then how his father reacted to what had happened. The older son begins to tell his father how he hasn't done enough for him, right? And sadly, we began to see the older son pull away from the father as he finds himself in an authentic place. As his own heart is revealed in his judgment, in his condemnation, as he draws comparisons between his righteousness and his brother's sinfulness, Instead of seeing how his father has prodigaled his grace over his younger son, he entrenches himself to an extent in what he wanted his father to do in the economy that he felt was just and fair and right. For his brother, he wanted scarcity, not abundance. For his brother, he wanted judgment and not forgiveness. For his brother, he wanted punishment and not restorative justice. For his brother, he wanted something false and not authenticity. Each of us have different paths towards growing in our one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Each of us highlights different ways in which we draw and are drawn closer to him. This story highlights kind of the two extremes. For one, it's to forge his own story, right? To live into a desire to do it alone, to forge his own way. His path leads him to loneliness and shame and ultimately to a, self of, a place of self-realization to a place where the true light was being shown on his heart and the truth that he saw there wasn't good. Right? It was there that he recalled the heart of his father, something that we would hope all people would experience. The heart of the father being loved for who they are 
right? This path back is a path back through authentic truth-telling, through an authentic truth-telling moment, but period of time in his life where he has received home. For the other brother, the choice to remain close to the father, follow the rules of the house, to obey. Sadly, through all of that, the choice was simply to obey and it didn't develop a relationship with his father that was truthful and that was honest and that was authentic. Now friends, I am not saying, and nor do I believe Jesus was saying that we need to go run off and prodigal ourselves in order to grow in our faith. But what I am saying is that this story is a story about authentic living. It is about discovering truth that we are broken people who pretend and believe that we know the right way. That happens whether we choose to rebel from our, our fathers, right, from our father's love, or whether we choose to remain. We have a sense that we know how to do it right. And so we pretend and we hide the things that we do wrong and it doesn't serve us well. No matter whether you have chosen to follow the rules in your life and, and do your best to check the boxes or whether you have chosen to, to break them all, right? In your relationship with your father in heaven. What God wants is to know that that as he told the older son, he, he says, and this is how he ends his argument with the older son, everything I have has always been yours. God, our Father, wants us to know that all of the love that he prodigals upon us, that he pours out lavishly on us, is there for the taking there for the receiving. It was what the life of Jesus was about, about demonstrating the authentic heart of God through the life of Jesus to those who would listen and those who would receive. The Father demonstrated in this story, the Father prodigaled out his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love and he poured it out not just so that we could receive it but so that in our own one-on-one -on -one relationships with others with those in our neighborhood with those in our community that we might be able to pour it out that way friends let be the let us be the kind of church that prodigals out the love of God that lives authentically the truth of what is true in us that we are both broken and pretending and we are also both received home and loved deeply. Let us be that kind of place. That's the Father's home and that's where we belong. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you are a God who poured out so lavishly your love on us that you actually sent your Son down to live among us to be a living example of what love truly looks like for us to live by. God, I pray 
for the hard things that we have done, for the things that we hide, for the things that we pretend, that you would speak truth into our life. God, I pray for this country. I pray that your spirit of truth would come upon us, that God, we would be able to take responsibility for the ways we have misinterpreted and misunderstood your good news and your heart. God, forgive us for our trespasses. And there are many. Help us to be the kind of people who live towards restoration and to hear the hard truths of our neighbors so that we might all be free. We pray these things in your name, amen. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace as you live out the restorative justice of God in our community. Amen. And thanks again for joining us. Have a good week.